0: You're listening to the Hope Assembly podcast with Pastor Ryan Day. For more information, you can visit us online at hopeassembly.org. Please enjoy this week's sermon. Today, we're going to conclude our series on the Psalms and the Soul. Next week, we're going to switch to a new series called Pentecost. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, but we're going to talk more than just about Pentecost Sunday but what happened on Pentecost Sunday in Acts chapter 2 with the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling um, in the people of God, the birth of the church as we know it, and how the Holy Spirit has been a part of our lives since then and what we can hope for in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and how we can look to the Holy Spirit as the third person of the Trinity in ways maybe that we haven't thought of before. And, uh, And so I'm really looking forward to that. Series Pentecost that will start next week. Today we're going to finalize our series, the Psalms and the Soul, and we're going to go back to Psalm 150. Not too long ago, we we went through Psalm 150 in another series. I think it was our Edify series, but I, I just think it's a great Psalm for us to end upon here in this series as well. And I do want to also say. Um, it's been kind of a crazy couple of weeks, and uh, I really appreciate Jordan jumping in and and ministering the last two weeks and sharing from his heart out of the Psalms. I was grateful that he did that in, 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 uh, a couple of weeks ago, just on real short notice. Um, but I want to thank everybody for all of your um, thoughts and prayers and condolences. And for those of you who don't know, I did share this last week, but On Mother's Day, uh, my mom passed away at four o'clock in the morning. And that week on Wednesday, we had gotten a call or excuse me, Tuesday night, we gotten a call that my mom had been taken to the ER. And for those of you who don't know, my mom um, was experiencing early onset of dementia and, um, and, and she was just recently diagnosed with that and, and was having some difficulties in general with her ability to remember things. Um, grateful she still remembered all of us, all of our family. Um, but she was having some issues. So on on Tuesday night, she was taken to the emergency room. She was acting kind of funny. My dad took her in. We found out Wednesday that um, she had bleeding on her brain. And um, the doctors basically said that there was really no ability to operate on situation and that she um, had a few days to live, one to five days to live. And so they put her on comfort care and uh, my my sons and daughter-in-laws and and my brothers and we all just kind of went up to Washington and waited uh, essentially um, by her bedside. We took turns going up because of uh, COVID-19. We couldn't all be in the room at once so we took turns for a few days from Wednesday all the way through Saturday going up and staying by my mom's bedside and just Waiting for her um, to pass on. And she passed peacefully uh, on Mother's Day, as I said, four o'clock in the morning. And, you know, my mom was a very spiritual lady. She's the reason why I am a believer. She, um, from, from, the very earliest memories that I have of my mom, she was a praying woman, and she was a woman that loved to to be at church and that loved to be involved in ministry, and that she would uh, worship Jesus um, to the best that she knew how. And so she she left a legacy of this idea of loving God and loving church and loving ministry. And I was thinking as I was preparing this sermon and walking through Psalm 150, I was thinking about this idea of of, of my mom and. And on Mother's Day at 4 a.m., I was thinking about this. Though she breathed her final breath here on earth, what's interesting is that she sang her first song of praise in the presence of Jesus, whom she loved so dearly. And I think that that's the beauty of Psalm 150, that Psalm 150 sort of sets up this idea of this crescendo psalm that is the ending of all of the psalms for a very specific purpose, and I want to talk a little bit about that today. Alexander McLaren said this, he said, this, this psalm, Psalm 150, is more than an artistic close of the Psalter. It is a prophecy of the last result of the devout life, and it is In its unclouded sunniness, as well as in its universality, it proclaims the certain end of the weary years for the individual and for the world. Essentially, what he's saying is that this psalm makes this beautiful declaration that those who have followed the ways of God, what we look forward to when we breathe our last breath. And that is a final hallelujah, a releasing of praise that we can't even imagine. David Guzik said it like this. He said, Psalm 150 contains no argument, no real teaching, no real explanation. It is an eloquent, passionate cry to all creation to give Yahweh the praise due to Him. Some would call Psalm 150 the doxology psalm, and that's sort of just a liturgical expression of praise to God. This psalm, as I said earlier, is sort of the crescendo, if you will, of all the psalms, punctuated with exclamation points, There are eight exclamation points in these six verses of Psalm 150. Every single sentence ends with an exclamation point. Why? Because it's trying to tell us and declare to us that this is the crescendo, that there is a reason for there to be excitement and exclamation in this psalm. We went through, at the beginning of the series, Psalm 1. And Psalm 1 sort of opens with a retelling, if you will, of the Torah. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, who sits not in the seat of mockery, who stands not in the path of sinners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Upon that, Lord, he meditates day and night. He's sort of telling, retelling what it is to live according to the Torah, that a blessed man follows the laws of God. And then sort of Psalms 2 chapter 2 through chapter 149 are st- sort of outline the interesting drama if you will of the righteous life the ups and the downs and the difficulties and the the mountaintops and the valleys and and the god where are you and god you are so clear you clearly here and with me and present and then we come to Psalm 150 and Psalm 150 records what many call the final Hallelujah. Psalm 150 ensures us, it makes it known to us that Psalm 1 was correct, that if you don't walk in the counsel of the wicked, that if you live this sort of righteous, blessed life, when you get to the end of that life, when you breathe your last breath, you will be able to give a praise like you have never experienced before. In the end of all of this life, praise is our final posture. Why? We get to the end of this life and we recognize that the enemy is completely defeated, that sorrow loses its grip, and that death is swallowed up. And you might be asking yourself, okay, that's wonderful, but I'm not at the end of my life, so what does it have to do with me right now? Well, the beauty of Psalm 150 is also it has a prophetic nature to it that it tells us about the end, that gives us insight into the end of things, to the final hallelujah, and it allows us to live from the end right now, that we are people from the future, that we get to praise God now because we know that death is not the end, that death loses in the end, that sorrow loses its grip in the end, and that Jesus has the final victory over all of these things in the end. We get to live from the position of the final hallelujah. And I think that the Psalmist is encouraging us exhorting us, indeed commanding us to praise God. Thirteen times he uses the exhortation, praise, praise the Lord, praise Him because of this, praise Him because of that. Thirteen times in six verses he declares to us that we should be living from a place of praise because we are from the future. Because praise is what we will do when we have when we take our final earthly breath, the rest of our eternal life will be lived in total adoration and praise to God, then the psalmist is encouraging us, why not practice it now? Why not involve yourself as a person from the future now to praise the Lord? Now, I'm going to share a few things that I shared before about Psalm 150 because I think that they're important, and that is this, that Psalm 150 is a sacramental psalm. Praise is sacramental. Verses 1 and 2 tell us, praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty heavens, praise Him for His mighty deeds, praise Him according to His excellent greatness or His greatness of greatness, See, what is a sacrament? A sacrament is this idea of an outward visible sign or symbol of an inward invisible grace. And so praise is this outward expression of this emotion that we feel, this grace that we are partaking in, that Jesus Christ has done something so wonderfully, so beautifully for us that he has redeemed us and saved us, and therefore our mouths praise him because of his goodness praises, like most sacraments, a holy mystery. What is this idea that God would be attracted to and even glorified in lifted voices, even voices that aren't very good at singing? there's no caveat in the scripture that if you're a good singer, then praise the Lord. But if you're not a good singer, sit this one out. No, God is glorified. God is attracted to the praises of his people, whether they be in perfect pitch or not. God loves the praises of his people. And there's a mystery in this idea that the God, the creator of the universe, would long to dwell, would be glorified in, would take delight in the adoration, the praise, the Songs of the saints, but he does. And in this first couple of verses, this sacramental ideas, this this, this idea of from God to us, we're praising God because of who God is. We're praising God for his, for what? For who he is and for what he has done, for his surpassing greatness, for his mighty deeds, that God has done these wonderful things. God is this wonderful creator, God, and he has done wonderful things. And therefore he deserves this mystery, this sacramental uh, mystery and revelation of praise that breaks forth from you and me. And not only is it sacramental, Psalm 150 tells us that it is also sacrificial, meaning it's from us also to God. So it comes from God to us, who he is, what he's done, and then we respond to who he is and what he's done. And it goes from us to God in a sacrificial praise. That means that we offer God something that is precious or valuable. Uh, Verses three through five, praise him with trumpet sound, praise him with lute and harp, praise him with tambourine and dance, praise him with strings and pipe, praise him with the sounding cymbals, praise him with the loud clashing cymbals. I think what the psalmist is telling us here in these couple of verses over and over again that there is nothing that we can do to exaggerate God. Words aren't enough. The gifts that we have are not enough. Bring all the instruments together. Bring everything that you can think of together. Bang it, clang it, shout it, dance with it, sing it out, play the instrument with all of your heart and it all still will fall short to declare the full glory of God. And yet he calls us, do it anyways. Praise him anyways. He says, praise him with, praise him with this, praise him with that, praise him with this, praise him with that. He's telling us basically bring all available resources that you have to enhance and exclaim the praise of God. How can we do that? How can we do that when we experience difficult times? How can we do that in the midst of a pandemic? How can we do that when, when we're in the lowest point of our life, or in, in the deepest of valleys that we've ever been? How can we do that when we've lost a loved one? How can we do that when relationships are, are, are broken or, or, or in difficult places? How can we do that when our, our marriages and what we want it to be, or our finances? How can we do that when nothing seems to be going right because we are people from the future? And our praise isn't determined by the circumstances that surround us. Our praise is determined because we know the end. Our praise is determined by the fact that we ultimately have the final say in Christ Jesus. And that final say is our victory in Him. See, praise is this worship and praise is this transcendent wonder. Praise and worship is this sacrificial idea where Jerry Kearns would say it like this, the whole person with all his senses, with both mind and body, involved in genuine worship and praise. That's why the scripture says that we bring a sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Why? Because we might not feel like it. That's what makes it a sacrifice. Our circumstances might not dictate it but he's worthy anyways. And so we gather all the resources that we can. This might not be a fully comprehensive list of all of the instruments that were available to uh, the people of God at this time, but in effect, what he's saying, as he's repetitively saying, praise him with this, praise him with the lute, praise him with the harp, praise him with the lyre, praise him with the dancing, praise him with the cymbals, praise him with the tim, praise him with dance, all of these things that he's saying, is like, just gather whatever you can gather whatever you can do within your faculty and praise God with that because he's good, because of his surpassing greatness, because of his mighty acts and deeds. And then lastly, as I've shared before, this scripture, this idea of praise is a a liturgical idea. In liturgical or liturgy just simply means the work of the people, so this isn't the responsibility of of the five fold ministry pastors, apostles, pastors, prophets, teachers, that sort of thing this isn 't the 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 responsibility of of uh, paid staff members on a church or paid ministers or or paid ministries, missionaries, or whatever. This is the work of the people. It is the call of the whole body of Christ every single one, to lift up their voices in praise to God because of his goodness, because of his greatness, because of his acts, his mighty deeds that he has performed. What are those mighty deeds? Our salvation. Let's start there. Just by the fact that he has saved us and redeemed us, called us his own children, that's worthy of extreme praise. We could spend our entire lives praising him simply because of his mighty acts and deeds. So liturgical, it's the work of the people. Verse six, this is the one that probably everybody knows the best. Let everything that has breath. It's the only verse that doesn't start with the word praise. Probably the only verse maybe that is sort of instructional, if you will. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And then he emphasizes it again with another, praise the Lord, exclamation point. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. This is public worship. This is public service. This is belonging to you and me, the people of God. Praise belongs to us. It is our call. It is our responsibility. It is our work to praise the Lord. In This Christian life, there are no passive spectators. We are all called to be active participators in the praise of God. We are all called to be active participators in the praise of God. It might be out of your comfort zone. I understand that. I get that. We're not asking you to necessarily run around the church or swing from chandeliers or jump over pews or or do anything crazy like that. That's not what we're saying. But we are saying, man, the Bible encourages us. Clap our hands, all you people. Shout to God with the voice of triumph. The Bible encourages us to lift up holy hands in the sanctuary. The Bible encourages us to sing a new song to the Lord because he's worthy. The Bible encourages us, again, to bring a sacrifice of praise to him. And so nobody is exempt from praising the Lord. It is the work of the people and all of the people are called to be active participators in the praise of God. That's why he says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. No one is exempt. Then if I was to summarize this entire chapter, Psalm 150, I would say it like this. All people in all places with all available resources and in all circumstances, praise the Lord. All people, you and me. In all places, no matter where we find ourselves, whether we can gather in a building or we sit at our homes on our couches and watch it via YouTube or Facebook, doesn't matter where we might be, in all places, with all available resources, you might just have your voice, you might just have your hands, you might just have uh, some instruments around, whatever you've got, bring those resources. And in all circumstances, no matter what is happening, around you, praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. David Guzik said this as a close, everything that breathes should give its praise to the one who gave it breath. Everything that breathes should give its praise to the one who gave it breath. God is so worthy of our praise. Now, I can't wait till we get to get together again in the same building and lift up our voices together with with the band and the worship team and sing songs of praise together. I can't wait for that. That will be beautiful. But until then, let's be people of praise right here, right now, in this moment. Let's not allow circumstances to keep us from praising God. Let's not allow uh, the resources or lack thereof to keep us from praising, God, let's be people who are filled with the breath of God. Be people who praise God with that very breath. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I am so grateful for everyone who's tuned in today, for all of our members and And families at Hope Assembly, God, we think that you are doing a beautiful thing in our midst. We may not be able to understand it or see it now, but we know, God, that you are working. We open our hearts up to the work of your kingdom. We posture ourselves in a place of praise. You are worthy, God, of all of our praise. And so help us to be stirred this morning in praise. Help us to be people who will praise no matter what is happening in our lives, who will lift up the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. Be with us as we lead our lives this week. Help us to be uh, look like people from the future. Help us to look like people who understand that we have a hope that is that is beyond uh, even imagination, that we have a hope that we are holding tightly to. Help us to demonstrate that, to portray that to our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends, our family. We love you. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Before you go this morning, let me bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you Peace. God bless you. Thank you for listening. It's our desire to lead people to know Christ and to make Him known. If you'd like to support the ministry of Hope Assembly, go to hopeassembly.org. Thank you for listening and God bless.